0: Please keep your Bibles open. As we uh, get jump back into uh, Matthew, we've been working through this gospel uh, word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and closing in on the final two chapters. Chapter 27 on the death of Jesus, chapter 28 on the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, so these are really... Uh, powerful and insightful uh, narratives of how these events unfolded, events that would have eternal, eternal consequence. So let's pause for a moment, ask the Lord to help us as we look at Barabbas' unintentional portrayal of the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, we do love you and praise you. It has already been really joyful and thrilling for us to be gathered today. We, we have been rejoicing already in the gospel. We've been able to lift our voices with gospel praise of who you are and for all that you've done, who Christ is to us. We've been able to lift our voices in prayer Uh, pleading before you for your faithful graces and mercies on our lives, acknowledging that you are God and you are sovereign and we are your creation and we are needy and we are your people and you are our Father. We've been able to watch, Father, as these precious ladies went through the waters of baptism to proclaim to family and friends and church that Jesus is their Savior that they have died to themselves and are living for Christ, and He is alive in them and forevermore to be their Savior. And we've been able to hear the reading of the Word of God over our ears, falling over our lives, and to see part of the final moments there that led up to the crucifixion of our savior so truly and indeed we have already been blessed today we know there's more to come as we gather around your word lord we are depending upon you to be to speak to your people we are relying on the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and apply it to our hearts, to open our minds and our hearts to be receptive, to teach us, to convict us, to instruct us. and Maybe even for some of us who were, who were gathered this morning to save us, but for all of us, surely, to change us that we might be less like ourselves, less like this world, and more like Christ. And so, as we see, really, the gospel pictured through this character, Barabbas, for us as believers, Father, may it deepen, greatly deepen our love for Christ and uh, deepen our understanding and the, the depth of what He has done for us, what it means that He has saved us. And if we are questioning the faith or wondering about where we stand with the Lord or seeking to understand or uh, knowing about our relation with God, where we stand with God, I pray, Father, that Your Spirit would just make things abundantly clear that we might, before we leave this gathering this morning, we might know that we know that we know exactly where we stand with the Lord. So again, Father, when we raise these petitions, these are things that are completely out of our hands. We need you to move, you to work. And we give you thanks because you're always faithful to do so. We love you, Lord. Glorify yourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Barabbas' unintentional portrayal of the gospel. So as we look at the passage before us this morning, it explains to us how Jesus is sentenced to crucifixion under Roman authority, how that came about. We already knew by studying the gospel together, we already knew that the Jewish leaders, of course, they wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him destroyed. They wanted him silenced. But, of course, being occupied by Rome, they did not have the authority to carry out and execution to carry out a sentence of death and so the question then would how would they maneuver the Roman authorities to agree or to take part in their devious plan and so in the, in, in this narrative as we look at what's taking place the the Jewish leaders they they know exactly what's happening as things unfold Pilate, he knows what's happening as things are unfolding. He realizes, as we see right here in in the Scripture, he realizes that he's been been backed into a corner, and and for the sake of, of keeping peace, he will have to give the leaders what they want, even though he, the top governing official of the territory... Doesn't agree with it. He knows his hand is forced. Now Barabbas. Another interesting character in our narrative however. He has no idea what's going on. Not only is he not involved in the scheme of the narrative as it unfolds. But he is unaware completely. Of how his role in this process is actually picturing for us the gospel, which is the last thing on Barabbas' mind. Yet the Lord is using where he is and what his situation is to teach us something, to impress upon our hearts a picture of the gospel. Barabbas is just scheming. He's treasonous. He's good for nothing. He's a notorious prisoner. And unintentionally leaves us a very meaningful illustration. So Barabbas' picture here of the gospel is very unintentional. Now what we viewed earlier in these baptisms was very intentional. Intentional. In fact, that's the purpose of baptism is to intentionally portray the gospel. We've observed baptism this morning. We'll observe baptisms this evening. And when someone is baptized, they are proclaiming through this method of baptism that they are followers of Christ. That's the purpose, to send a message, to paint a picture They are lowered into the water. They are are professing, I've died to my old self. I'm no longer like I used to be. My old ways are gone. My my old path is is gone. And when they're raised up out of the water, they, they are professing, and it is Christ who has given me this new life. It is Christ who has made me this new creation in him. It's in Christ that I have new life now and forevermore. That's the picture that, that baptism portrays for us. Now, what Barabbas' role in this passage, what it demonstrates is how what took place on the cross allows us to find that forgiveness and salvation in Christ. Barabbas' unintentional picture of the gospel shows us how it is That we can be made new by Christ, that we are made new by Christ and become his followers and his disciples. So let's see just a few observations from the passage that was read for us today. Number one Barabbas was guilty, yet he was set free. Barabbas was guilty, but he was set free. In fact, Barabbas was actually in prison under the charge of inciting insurrection against Rome. He was part of the movements of the zealots. He wanted to undermine and undercut and eventually overthrow Roman rule. And that carried, if you were caught, if you were charged, if you were found guilty trying to undermine Roman rule and authority, that carried the charge of treason and was automatically punishable by death, execution. You see, it was Barabbas who was set to die by crucifixion that day. There were three crosses that had been prepared. They they were already ready for the criminals that were to hang upon them. So, presumably, those, those two robbers that were uh, crucified on either side of Christ, presumably, they, they were somehow involved in this scheme and plot that probably Barabbas was the leader of. Then Jesus is brought forward with Barabbas. Imagine the scene. As we reflect back over the text that has been read for us today, uh, imagine the scene that day. Jesus is brought forward and, and there is Jesus and Pilate and, and Barabbas. So you have one notorious prisoner who is actually guilty of treason. And you have the innocent son of God who has been falsely accused of insurrection as well. You see earlier in the text when Pilate asked Jesus are you the king of the Jews because that was the charge that the leaders brought to Pilate that's how they get their plan if we can get Jesus convicted of insurrection that's punishable by death Rome will take care of what we need to be done. So Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? He was trying to determine if Jesus was actually guilty of inciting insurrection. See, if you go around Roman territory claiming to be a king, then you are challenging the throne of Rome. You can't do that. There can only be one king and one emperor of Rome. And so Jesus' response, you have said so... Means something like, "Yes, I am king," but not in the way you're thinking. You've said it, but it's not quite like that. And of course, we see that Pilate to the the custom that Pilate had on the on the Passovers to stay in good graces with the people that he rules over, to to try to keep things calm and try to keep insurrection and and all of this upheaval from, from happening, he, he would release one prisoner during the, during the highlight of their year. That's Passover. That's the highlight of the, of the Jewish feast. And so knowing that this is the case, the, the leaders begin to stir up the people to request the release of Barabbas and demand the crucifixion of Jesus. Imagine the scene as it unfolds urging the people to request and demand that this one who is guilty, this notorious robber, would be released and this innocent man would be crucified. And Pilate is distressed, isn't he? It concerns him because he knows in his heart that Jesus is innocent. He, he even says so. Why? What, what wrong has he done? What evil has he done? In other words, he was saying, you can't prove it. So he tries to reason with the crowd, doesn't he? He, he tries to play politics with the crowd. He, he's warned by his wife. Men, that's all over the Bible, isn't it? We've got to learn to listen. But the mob mentality takes over, don't they? The mob mentality takes control, and... Pilate gives in against his better judgment, against what he knows is right. He goes along to be done with it. And so Jesus, the innocent one, is condemned with the crime that Barabbas had committed. And Barabbas, who had actually committed the crime is set free jesus actually took barabbas's place so the second point of the message today is simply this we are barabbas we are barabbas This is really the main point I wanted to bring out from our text today. You see, we are the guilty ones. We are the sinners. We are the ones who have rebelled against the Lord. We are the ones who have turned against him and went astray and went our own way, sought our own interest, denied our Lord in thought, in word, in deed, in motive, in heart. We are the ones who stand before the Lord justly condemned under the sentence of of eternal separation from God, justly condemned for the crimes we have committed against our God and Creator and Lord. So we are the ones awaiting this just sentence of of God's wrath to fall upon our rebellion. (coughs) just as that cross had been prepared for Barabbas to bear so our judgment has been prepared for us the wages of sin is death romans 6:23 so we are we have admittedly done wrong been wrong motivated by wrong selfish self-absorbed Worshipping ourselves, idolaters, guilty of covetousness, just go on and on and on. The only way we can be set free from this sentence of eternal execution is that we might be rescued, that we might be saved from our deserved sentence. The only way that can happen is if someone worthy... If someone willingly takes our place, if someone who is able to do this bear my punishment, it has to be someone who can take that kind of of transaction, that kind of exchange. If someone who is able would come before the judge of all the earth and say, I'll take his place... I'll bear his judgment. I'll take her cross so that she can be set free. Well, Romans 3 says that God put Christ forward as a wrath bearer for our sin. The Father put the Son forward as that one who is worthy, who is willing, who is able to take on this kind of transaction. And so there, Romans 3 tells us, if we receive Christ by faith because he has borne our punishment, he has literally taken our cross of execution. If we receive Christ by faith, then we are redeemed. We are set free. Our our freedom from the guilt of our sin and the sentence of our sin is purchased by Christ because he's paid for it. He's already undergone the punishment for it upon the cross. So all those who are in Christ, their crime against their crimes against god have already been paid for you see jesus who wasn't guilty of insurrection took barabbas's guilt and his sentence barabbas was the one guilty but barabbas was released as a free man second corinthians 5 21 says this for our sake God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. The Father put the Son forward to bear our punishment so that we might be redeemed. We might go free if we are in Him. If we embrace Him, treasure Him, follow Him, love Him, believe in Him. But you see, in order for that type of transaction to take place on the cross, for our sin to be laid upon cross so that In time, by faith, when we receive Christ, his righteousness is laid upon us. For that type of transaction to take place on the cross, there's got to be some kind of mechanism in place that, that allows that exchange and that explains that exchange to us. It was the same way with Barabbas, right? In in order for Barabbas, everybody knew Barabbas was guilty. Everybody knew Barabbas was a prisoner. Everybody knew Barabbas was a good-for-nothing individual. But in order for Barabbas to go free, there had to be some kind of mechanism in place that would explain that. How do you explain Barabbas on his way to the cross and then all of a sudden walking around in the street? There's got to be a mechanism in place. What was the mechanism? Pilate's custom. That was it. Every year at Passover, I'll release one of your prisoners, whichever one you want. That was the mechanism. It allowed it. It explained it. So the mechanism in place to explain the cross was Passover. Passover passover Note: this took place during passover the passover feast was an annual reminder of the passover in egypt where god delivered his people from slavery illustrating god's deliverance of his people from sin So during that first Passover in Egypt, the people of God were to take a lamb and they were to sacrifice that lamb and put the blood of that lamb upon the outside of the door of their homes. And and when God sent judgment that night upon Egypt, when God judged the sin of Egypt, the angel of death would pass over the homes that that had the, the covering of the blood on the outside of the home. Because, you see, there had already been a death in that home. There had already been an execution, a judgment in the form of a sacrifice. That was the mechanism God put in place that allows and explains the transaction on the cross. It's called a sacrificial substitute so that there can be a substitute that is sacrificed and bears the punishment rather than the person God delivers. Now here we are in our text. Jesus is known, has has even been called in the gospels, the Lamb of God. He is the Perfect, sinless, blameless Lamb of God. And it is Passover. And He is the fulfillment of all of these illustrations of the sacrificial system. He is our final, perfect, sacrificial substitute. Romans 3, God put Him forward. On the cross, then, Christ bears the punishment for our sin. That's what the Lord's table illustrates. So that if by faith we are in Christ, God's judgment doesn't fall upon us because it has fallen upon the sacrificial substitute. We are not slain because Christ has been. That's how we go free. That's how we are released from our just execution. That's how Christ saves us. The wrath of God is falling upon our sin and Christ steps up before between us and God's wrath as a propitiation and absorbs it. And none of it falls upon us. It all falls upon Christ when we are in him. And therefore, when we stand before God, when we stand before the judge, the blood that of Christ applied to our heart demonstrates a death has already taken place here will will not be sentenced to eternal condemnation and punishment for his crime because a punishment has already taken place in will's stead that's how i go free not because of anything i've done because of what Christ, as my substitute, has done for me. We are Barabbas. And once we truly begin to grasp that wondrous exchange, and this is why Christ is the only Savior... Because he's the only one that bore, as our substitute, that bore our punishment upon himself. Once that begins to sink down into our hearts, we can't help but praise him. We can't help but worship him. We can't help but love him and adore him and live for him and serve him. It's not by obligation, it's by joy. It's not by duty, it's by delight. We are Barabbas. The truth is that we had condemned ourselves to eternal death, and Christ took our place and set us free. Well, let's make a few mention. Let's, let's mention Pilate. What, what about Pilate? Because he's, he's right in the middle of all of it, isn't he? Well, Pilate tried political maneuvering. He, he knew Jesus was innocent. He, he put the choice before the crowd twice twice he tried to reason with them he, he then he finally tried to rid himself of the guilt he bore in issuing the sentence he, he washed his hands symbolically saying this is not on me this is on you but symbols don't change reality it was on him it was on them But it was also on him, he is the one who had to issue the release of Barabbas. He was the one who had to issue Christ to be scourged, Christ to be crucified. It was on Pilate. Even though the crowd agreed to take the blame, wash his hands all he might, he could never wash away the guilt. And that's the same for us when we reject Christ. We know who Jesus is. We, we've, we've been exposed to the gospel. We've been exposed to the truth of Scripture. We've seen the changed lives and the testimonies around us. Others have spoken and witnessed to us and bore witness to our hearts. We, we know the truth. We know Jesus is the Savior. We know we're not right with God. But we try to work it out on our terms, don't we? We try to maneuver. We try to reason and rationalize. We try to go back and see if the good outweighs the bad. If we've gone, if we've gone through the right steps at church, if, we, if we've done the, the right kind of things, we, we reason it out, rationalize, justify our sins that we know we're guilty of. We know we stand condemned before God. But we reason it out, rationalize it out, wash our hands of it, make excuse, blame somebody else, put the guilt somewhere else. And eventually we walk away and we try somehow to wash away this guilt, wash away this conviction, wash away this stricken conscience. But just like Pilate, no matter what steps we take, we remain guilty when we reject God. Christ. Why? Because there's no other substitute. There's no other substitute. And the only way to be made right with God is not for me to make myself right. That's impossible. The only way for me to be made right with God is if Christ makes me right by giving me his righteousness and taking my sin. So as the text draws to a conclusion, before Christ was crucified, Pilate had Jesus scourged. And that means to be whipped. In Jewish custom, you could only receive 40 lashes from this severe lashing because in the Jewish custom, that judgment would be tempered with mercy. You could only receive 40 But for Rome, there was no such limit. They didn't care how many lashes you got. The only limit was when the soldiers got tired and exhausted and decided they'd quit. And they kind of liked the sight of blood. They were bloodthirsty, cruel, inflictors of punishment. They lashed upon the condemned until they gave up. These leather thongs were, were... plated with bits of bone and metal and, and the victim was stripped and tied to a pole and literally reduced to a bloody pulp. So when you read in the Scripture this morning those four words and having scourged Jesus, there is a world of pain and humiliation and absolute horror in those words. It was brutal. It was violent. It was bloody. In other words, before before they led Christ to Calvary to kill him, they just about killed him. You couldn't scourge a condemned criminal twice because It'd be easy to kill him just with one scourging. What is such a bloody scene of the Savior? What what, what does that mean? Hundreds of years before this took place, Isaiah told us exactly what it meant. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we've been healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Barabbas' unintentional betrayal of the gospel. Jesus is a wonderful Savior. He paid it all. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We love you and praise you for sending your Son to be our Savior. And our hearts are gripped this morning just to really barely scratch the surface of understanding what it meant for Jesus to die for us, for Jesus to take our place. We who were deserving, we who were guilty, We who were justly standing condemned before the throne of grace, Christ stepped forward and took my guilt and my punishment. And that's how I'm saved today. That's how I'm right justified before god that's how i'm rescued from my own iniquity and so father our hearts as believers deepen in our love for christ and our praises rise to you our humility grows our our thankfulness grows lord as we think about the gospel. And therefore our 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 motivation, our 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 lives live for the glory of God. In that desire, that zeal increases, Lord. So we pray that you would continue to do that work within us. And if we are without Christ, if if we have never embraced the only substitute we have, I I pray that you have we have seen the glory of the Christ. And that today might be the day that we run to Him and cling to Him, bow before Him as our sacrificial substitute, our Savior, and love Him for the rest of our days. Lord, may you be glorified in the work that you accomplished today. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.